I've shared with you all before um, that back in the spring, my uh, daughter and her family moved to California, moved to San Diego, as a matter of fact, and I hate that. And I usually, when I, when I tell people that they've moved to, uh, to uh, California, I'll, I'll usually follow it up by saying, and they didn't even ask permission, which I'm only half kidding when I say that because I do, I hate the fact that they moved to uh, San Diego. Now, um, when I share that with people, you know what people do? They try to make me feel better. They say, well, Craig, well, just be thankful that they moved to a vacation spot instead of someplace like Newark. Now, <laughs> I've never been to Newark. I shouldn't badmouth Newark. So I have no, that may be a vacation spot too. And that's true. I, I'm glad that they moved to a vacation spot. So, and then they'll say, and be thankful that today technology has evolved to the point where you can... Um, uh, you can talk to them every day. You can do FaceTime with them all the time. And, I, and I, that's true. I like that. We can do that whenever we want, as long as we can figure out the, the time difference, which is a problem, isn't it, Lisa? Um, now, as much as I hate that, that, that they moved away, I will let you know that I'm wise enough and smart enough to know that there are far worse things, Right? Um, and I get that. Which is the point that I want to make for you today. Right. <laughs> you see, I know that everybody has things in their lives that happen, that, that happen without your permission, right? They happen outside of your control. And they make you feel out of control. In fact, a lot of the things that just happen to us, that are foisted upon us, we often feel because of them, we often feel like nothing is ever going to be okay again. Have you ever felt that way? I bet you have, because, because that's just part of life. Change is a part of life. And if you have ever been in a place where you have asked the question because of the circumstance of your life, where saying, I can't imagine ever anything ever being okay again, I've got good news for you. Because though you can't imagine things ever being okay again, God can. And how do I know that? Well, if you paid close attention to what Paige read for you today, you'd know it too. We're going to take a little deeper look at that as well. So, uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Ephesians chapter 3. And as I try to do every week, I'm going to give you a little context uh, for our passage today. Um, almost, every, every, I, I preach from Paul's letters all the time, so you, much of what I'm about to say you've heard before, and it's old news, but please um, just bear with me for a second. The, uh, this letter to the Ephesians is one of Paul's letters, just like so much of the rest of the New Testament. I know that sounds boring to you, but you need to know this. Um, Paul writes these letters, um, and we, they have become so familiar to us that we take them for granted. But there is something different about Paul's letter to the Ephesians as compared to most of the other letters that he wrote. Um, for example, most of the other letters, whether it was to a person like Timothy or like Philemon, or, or whether it was to another church like uh, the church of Corinth or or Rome, or wherever, um, most of the other letters were written by Paul to these people to address a particular issue. Maybe it was um, 
false doctrine, for example. He says, I'm, I'm writing this letter because there's people there that are teaching Gnosticism or some other crazy thing. And it, or maybe it was because of uh, a, a battle that was going on over circumcision. Some people believed in it, other people didn't. And sometimes it was eating meat sacrificed to idols. You've heard all these things just recently, haven't you? Paul's letter to the Ephesians was different, though, because it, there was no issues. He wasn't, he wasn't talking about one of those things or anything else necessarily. He spends most of his time, as a matter of fact, in this letter just sharing with the church of Ephesus the nature of God. He says, I just want you, this is who God is. This is, these are the kind of characteristics of God that you can look forward to. So, you might be thinking, well, uh, there, I don't really, every week, Craig, you tell us about the context. I really don't need to know the context to understand or to know that he's telling me about the nature of God. But you do need to know the context. There's something about this context that you need to be aware of today. Otherwise, the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at, that, you, that Paige read, for, you're not going to get it. So what was the thing? What is the, the context about this particular passage that you need to hear today in order for you to get what is being said? It was simply this. Paul wrote this letter, along with others too, but he wrote this letter in particular while he was in prison. Well, so what? Well, let's look a little deeper. Let's, let's see what the so what is. Uh, why was he in prison in the first place? Well, we know that he was in prison for the, in the first place simply because he loved Jesus. And you think, well, why would you get thrown in jail just because you love Jesus? And uh, especially when you think about, was it illegal that he, that he loved Jesus? No, it wasn't illegal. Love isn't illegal. Uh, in fact, and it wasn't illegal to worship Jesus either. The, the Roman Empire was polytheistic. You know what that word means? It means that you were free legally to worship whatever god or however many gods you want to. It was legal to do that. Which then begs the question, why was Paul thrown in prison simply for loving Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because he was good at it. He was so good at loving Jesus, he was so effective at sharing the love of Jesus that it made people uncomfortable. It stirred up their nest. And people don't like to have their nest stirred up. Have you ever noticed that? Nobody does. But some people, when they have their, their uh, nest stirred up, they will, they will do whatever they can to keep the person or the thing that's been stirring up their nest from doing that again. And that's why Paul was in prison. Because people, especially leaders of these other religions, were so stirred up because he was so good at sharing the love of Jesus, they had to come up with a plan to get him out of the picture. And more times than not, it was to throw him into prison. For no good reason. And they knew it wasn't. But they'd come up with something to get him thrown into prison. Still haven't answered your question, though. What difference does it make? To the, to the context of what we're going to be looking at today, what difference does it make that he was in prison? Listen to me. Imagine that you were thrown into prison just because you were good at love. Wouldn't feel good, would it? It'd be frustrating, I suspect. Imagine that you knew you were put on this earth to share the love of God. 
And you kept being frustrated because you kept being put into prison so you couldn't share the love of God the way you knew that you were supposed to be sharing the love of God. And then imagine that you were gifted, you had a spiritual gift of evangelism. You know what evangelism is, right? The spiritual gift of evangelism is when you have this supernatural ability to share, to bring people to Christ. Imagine that you knew you were gifted to um, share the gospel with people to the point that they would accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And you kept ending up in prison. How frustrating that must be. Now, so I've set the context for you. And now, let's look at this passage of Scripture. Anyone else would have normally have been frustrated by their circumstance. Continually asking God, why are you allowing this? This doesn't make sense to me. Please, would you just give me what I want because I know what's best. But instead of getting frustrated, we don't get the impression in any of the of, of, of the book of Ephesians that Paul's frustrated with his circumstance at all. In fact, this is what he says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. He, he says, And now unto to him who's able to do far more than I can ask or imagine. Basically what he's saying, All glory, power, and honor unto God who is able to do far more. Listen to me now. And now unto God, who is able to do far more than I can ask or imagine, according to His power at work within me. All glory, power, and honor unto Him, God, even in those times when I can't figure out what's going on, and when I feel like Nothing is going to be okay again because of the circumstance in my life. When I can't figure out why things are happening the way they are happening, all glory, power, and honor unto Him who is able to do far more than I can even ask or imagine. You see, in Paul's mind, he's going, this makes no sense at all. I can't imagine why my being kept... I keep being thrown back into prison when I know that my calling is to evangelize the world. Of course, Paul didn't know, did he? That all these letters that he was writing to Philemon and Timothy and to the church of Corinth and, and to the church in Ephesus and the, the Galatians, and he didn't know that these little simple letters that he was writing to these people weren't for those people. And the reason why Paul had so much time to write these letters was because, well, i got to do something with my time. So he addresses these folks. And little did he know that these same letters weren't for those, these people, that these same letters, because God could imagine what his, the purpose of his circumstance was, these same letters really weren't meant for the Ephesians and the Corinthians. Well, they were, but... They were also meant for you. (laughs) 
And now unto him who is able to do far more than I can ask or imagine, according to his power at work within me. He became, because he was a prisoner, most of his ministry, life, because he was a prisoner, he became historically the greatest evangelist in, in the world. Because of the ministry of Paul the Apostle, he has brought more people to faith He's evangelized more people than any other person in the history of the world. And now unto him who is able to do far more than I can ask or imagine. According to his power, it worked within me. So in other words, he wasn't just saying that now unto God who is able to imagine how things could actually be better and how they could actually be okay regardless of the circumstance. He was saying, now unto him who's able to ask or imagine more than I can think of, according to his power. He was also saying that not only does God have the power to imagine it, God has the power to speak it into existence. That's a big one. Have you ever... Maybe you're there today, I don't know. Have you ever been in a situation where you've thought, I don't get this. I don't like this. I don't get this. And I can't imagine what good could come from it. Have you ever been there? Sure you have. Because life happens! And because you're not omniscient and omnipresent and what's the other omni thing omnipotent good job but because he is you have the choice to say all glory power and honor unto him who is able to do far more than I can even ask or imagine because of his power at work within me. I found myself one day standing at the graveside of a four-year-old little boy. His name was Quinn. He had beautiful blonde hair and the most crystal blue eyes you'd ever seen. And he had died from a brain tumor. And that was the last place I wanted to be that day. I had been on this journey with this family from the very beginning. I was their pastor. From the diagnosis to the treatments that ultimately did no good to... death. And every moment along the journey, I felt inadequate, um, ill-equipped and ill-prepared. I could feel what they were feeling because at that time, our son, Simon, was about two years older than Quinn. So I could imagine myself in their shoes, all right? 
And every time I wanted to speak a word of encouragement to them or whatever, all I could think was, how does anybody ever come back from something like this? I didn't want to be there. As we, we were at the graveside, um, if you've ever been to a committal service, you know generally it's not too, it's only about five minutes long and there's a, there's a liturgy that we go through that has prayers and scripture reading and the fact of the matter is nobody ever pays attention at that particular point because you're just wanting to be over. That was really, everybody was feeling it that day. But I was the pastor and I had a job and there was a liturgy to go through and I was going through it knowing that everybody had put it into neutral and we were coasting because that's all we had. We didn't have any more emotional reserves left. And then it happened. Even when you're not paying attention or you don't think anything's going to happen, it can. For in that moment, as we were walking through that liturgy and preparing to put their little boy into the ground, God spoke. It was in the midst of the liturgy. And I'm not a liturgy person, but I am a scripture person. I'm a Bible person. And it was that verse. As we were preparing to close the service, the last word that was spoken was this. And now unto him who is able to do far more than you can ask or imagine according to his power, his power at work within you. It was like someone said, what? What did he just say? And now unto him who is able to do far more than we can ask or imagine according to his power. So what you're saying, God, is in the midst of all this, when I feel so lost and so broken and, and there is no hope whatsoever, when I can't imagine what tomorrow is going to look like, you can? Listen to that. There's some power there, huh? When you can't imagine because of the circumstance that you're in, how it'll ever be okay again, God can. Listen to this. Not only can he imagine it, he what? He has the ability to speak it into being. But you know what that family realized that day? They realized that in the midst of their circumstance, they had a choice. They weren't powerless. Because sometimes you feel powerless in the midst of change that occurs that you have no ability to impact. They realized in that moment they had power to choose. I can believe God. I can believe what, what I just heard. Or I can choose not to. And guess what? You have the same choice. Every day of your life, every time you find yourself in one of those moments when it feels like, 
I can't imagine how it's ever going to be okay again. You have a choice. Will I believe or won't I? Will I believe that God can imagine how it's going to get better or won't I? Will I believe that God not only has the power to imagine it, but God has the power to speak it into existence? Am I going to believe it or won't I? You get to choose. So stop feeling powerless. And if you choose not to believe, that's okay. But remember, you have a choice. And that choice changes everything. Let's pray. Lord, I'm, as, as I shared that final story, I was reminded of Quinn and his family realizing that little did they know, little did I know, that, that their story was meant to become part of our story today. Just as Paul had no idea that his letters to the Ephesian church and to Timothy and to Philemon and to Corinthians and to the Galatians were, were not just meant for those folks, it was meant for us. He couldn't imagine that. But you could. And that makes me feel good. That gives me hope. When I'm sad because my kids moved to California. Or when I sit with a friend who's about to take their last breath. Or when someone just gets the news that, they're, that they've lost their job. We can choose to remember. Him, you, who have the, the power to do more than we can ask or imagine. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.